How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. As we begin spring training on the Rico, I've got a question. In fact, I've got 10 of them. That is the big topic here on Rico Bruni today. Our biggest spring training questions we want answered before camp ends and we begin the 2024 regular season. Welcome to Rico Bronia. Thank you for downloading, and you should download more and subscribe more and maybe review the podcast because apparently that's good for us. And if it's good for us, it's good for you. The model of this episode is that we are about to begin spring training. Carlos Mendoza's met the media. David Stearns has met the media. Pitchers and catchers are working out. The full team will report in the next couple of days. And then before you know it, we're going to have spring training games, which is for us the first time we can make any kind of judgment about this roster and about this team. Because guys working out and having a catch and reading articles about guys saying they're in the best shape of their life that don't mean anything, but actually watching baseball games, which we're going to get a chance to do in the next couple of weeks, changes a few things. So what I did is I wrote down 10 questions, 10 important questions, 10 basic questions, and 10 questions that I hope as a Met fan can be answered over the course of the next month and a half in spring training. These are not questions for the regular season. These aren't questions such as, hey, what kind of manager is Carlos Mendoza going to be? Because the truth is, we're not going to see any of that in February and March. Like our judgment on Mendoza as a manager is going to come by watching him manage regular season games. I don't really think there's anything he can do over the next six weeks that's going to make us say, oh, that's what kind of manager he is. So the questions I wrote down for the 10 questions I want answered in spring training are not questions that we're going to get answered in May and June. They're questions for right now. They are questions that I hope over the next six weeks can be answered. So we will present those 10 questions. Pete and I will give you our thoughts on what we think the answer may be. And then we'll throw it to Pete to see if there's any question I missed because I ain't perfect. I just got 10 questions. Maybe I should have more. So let's start things off with question number one. Number one, what's the role of Tyler McGill going to be? And what I mean by that is, is Tyler McGill going to start in spring training? Is he going to pitch every five or six days, whether it's in inter-squad games, whether it's in regular spring training games, whether it's in B games? Are they going to stretch Tyler McGill out and treat him like a depth starting pitcher? Or, or are the Mets going to look at Tyler McGill and say, you know what? Maybe he could be a good reliever. Maybe he could be a good arm in this bullpen. Now, I can tell you right now, I lean towards the idea that they are going to continue to stretch him out and keep him in the rotation. And I think they're going to do that not based on what's best for Tyler McGill, but mostly what they already have in their bullpen. The Mets are going into spring training with, in my opinion, six guys, maybe five, but really six who are pretty much borderline locks to be in their bullpen. Diaz, Raley, Diekman, Fujinami, Lopez, and probably Drew Smith. And Adamantavino, so I forgot him. I should include seven then that are real locks for the bullpen. My apologies. Which doesn't really leave that much room. And because there isn't that much room, I think for now, they're going to look at, well, where do we need McGill more? And it's probably in the rotation. 
So that's my guess on what they do. But it's the first question I have, which is, hey, what's the role of Tyler McGill going to be? Because I'm still intrigued, Pete, by what he can be as a reliever. That maybe the best of McGill would be as a guy that comes out of the bullpen as a fireman more so than a guy that's being stretched out as a starter. No, and I, I think you're right, and which is why I lean towards they're not going to stretch him out too much. I think his with the bullpen they have right now, they still need that long, that middle long relief type of guy who in a bind can go two or three innings when need be. So he's not going to be your quintessential, hey, tight spot. Tyler McGill's coming in. Let's see if he can get out of this, you know, two out jam or let's get him let's get him an inning in the fifth no he's gonna come in it's gonna be the third inning it's gonna be a Tyler McGill needs to give us three innings here that's what I think he's gonna be so I think that you're gonna see him stretch out a little bit more than you know a, uh, a basic reliever but he's not gonna be a starter in, in that sense watch this the first spring training game of the year which is on Saturday February 24th it's on television. SNY is going to have it. A lot of us are going to be so damn excited. We get to watch a baseball game in February. My prediction is the big drip himself, Tyler McGill, will start that game. And that'll be the, that'll be the first Met we watch pitch in 2024. Question. Oh, opener. Yes. Opener. Opener. Not starter. Opener. Wow. I think in spring training game number one, everybody's an opener. I mean, think about it. Like <laughs> Spring training game number one, maybe you pitch an inning or two. It's like an all-star game. Question number two, and, and I want to be clear about this. This is not about performance in spring training. This is about how a guy looks, and watching this guy play baseball will help tell us, hey, how does he look? Health-wise, how does Starling Marte look? I think that's a really, really important question. That's a question that will help determine what this season's going to look like because the health of Starling Marte is going to be major. So what I mean by how does he look health-wise, there's a couple of ways to answer this question in spring training. Number one is how often is he going to play? Like, are the Mets going to treat in spring training Starling Marte like somebody who's in bubble wrap? Now, I don't think they will because he's played a little winter ball. So he's already been out there. He's played some baseball. A, how much does he play? B, how much of him do we see in right field? You know, again, when we talk about keeping him in bubble wrap, are the Mets going to DH him mostly? Now, during the regular season, it's very different. You're going to want to keep him fresh. You want to keep him healthy, especially if he's off to a productive start. But I'm talking about for that six-week run between February 24th and the last week of March. How often do we see him play? How often do we see him play right field? And then the key thing is, how does he look? And, and I've never been one to get crazy about a performance in spring training. Guy hitting 350 doesn't mean he's going to have a great year. A guy hitting 195 doesn't mean he's going to have a crappy year. So it's not even about, hey, what do the stats look like? It's not really about that. It's about how does he look? On that little looping fly ball down the right field line, how does Marte look? On a ball that bounces into the right field corner, again, assuming he's playing right field, how does he look? Uh, is he striking out looking meekly? Is he making hard contact? I think that... Not that this will be the determining factor necessarily on what kind of year he's going to have, but it's certainly going to impact on how we feel about Starling Marte. Because I know you said this, Pete, you saw a highlight of him in winter ball and you're like, eh, that wasn't really impressive. It's a highlight. It doesn't mean a lot. I think you know that. But when you watch a guy play a baseball game, a full game, when you watch him run around in the outfield, when you watch him take a couple of at-bats, you get a better idea on, okay, is this this 2022 Starling Marte or is this the 2023 Starling Marte? Because the truth is the difference between the, those two players are huge and that's going to help determine what kind of season this has. So I think that seeing him play baseball and seeing if he looks healthy or not and if that groin is an impact or not, I think that'll help tell us what kind of season potentially he's going to have. Yeah, the problem is though is I think he's going to be more of a DH as it's come spring training because they're going to – I mean, honestly, like you have a lot of other guys that they're going to want to see field. They don't need to see – they need Marte healthy in the regular season. They don't – not saying they don't need to see what he can do, what his capabilities are, but I, I could picture him getting those DH starts and, if anything, Max getting like three innings a game tops 
in the outfield. I mean, it's not going to be really productive. Well, but you got to get him ready for the season. Like there's a fine line between keeping a guy kind of rested and safe from injury and then also getting a guy ready for Major League Baseball season. Like one of the big drop-offs that Marte had last year was his defense. I think we always jump to the offense and how he was such a different player offensively, but man, he looked like a borderline gold glover in 2022. And then last year, he was a mess in right field. I mean, DJ Stewart, once he started playing right field, was a clear defensive upgrade over Starling Marte. So I don't know what the proper balance is on how many innings he needs to be out there, but I don't think you can completely keep a guy in bubble wrap. He needs to get ready for the start of the grind of a regular season. Yeah, but here's the thing is, right? Like, so we, we, something, I mean, there's a lot of questions that you still have left. So I'll, I'll try to keep it generic. There's a lot of openings still on this team. Bench spots, outfield, fourth outfield spots, fifth outfield mm-hmm. spots, whatever it's going to be. If the Mets look at him and say, maybe his best days in outfield are behind him, maybe he's somebody that they look more as a bat and not a fielder. Yeah, well, he could end up being the DH. We've talked so much about anything about maybe the DH is Starling Marte. I think it's a possibility depending on the way the season goes and depending on the way performance goes. The Mets have, to me, they've got their five outfielders. Their five outfielders are pretty much set in Marte, Nimmo, Bader, DJ Stewart, and Tyrone Taylor. If Tyrone Taylor, I'll pick him out of a hat, has this amazing April. Like, he's just hitting. He's just off to a really, really good start. You're going to want to play him more. And if you're going to want to play him more, and he's a better defensive outfielder than Starling Marte is, all of a sudden that could lead to Marte DHing. So there are a lot of factors that could could lead to that. But it's funny. We, we will do a podcast about the roster. Or we'll make our 26-man roster predictions. But as of right now, barring injury, and that's the thing about this, injuries obviously can affect a lot of this. The Mets have five outfielders on their 40-man roster, and it's set. Like So there really isn't, when you talk about battling for roster spots, there is battling for roster spots, but it's not really in the outfield. You know, not when you've got Marte, Nimmo, Bader, Stewart, and Taylor. You're pretty much set out there. Anyhow, question number three. Is Brett Beatty, is, or Brett Beatty, <laughs> you got to help me with the grammar here, is or are, are both Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos battling for the third base job? And I asked this question because when we did the David Stearns podcast a couple of days ago and we listened to his press conference and he was asked about spring training competitions, he left out third base, which to me was a warning sign that it's not a competition. And then when the follow-up question came back to him and said, hey, is third base a competition? He said yes, but it didn't sound like he really meant it. It almost felt like Brett Beatty's the third baseman. We believe in Brett. So with Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos, throughout spring training, if Vientos is going to get at-bats at third base, uh, game started at third base, he'll get at-bats at DH obviously too, maybe a little bit at first base, is Vientos better defensively enough to where it is a competition? Like, how do these guys look? You know, if Vientos has a better camp than Brett Beatty, not only offensively, but dare I say defensively, which I know feels like a shock because when we've seen Vientos play third base, he has not reminded anybody of Brooks Robinson. Could he end up as the predominant third baseman? Is that a possibility or was David Stearns' initial reaction that it's not a competition, the truth, and that it's not a competition? So, A, how are we going to see playing time split between these two guys? Like, are we going to see Vientos mostly just get at-bats at the H, mostly get at-bats by playing first base, or are we going to see a lot of Vientos at third base? Um, Or is it not a competition? Like Stearns is kind of his first reaction made me think that it's not. And it's basically Brett Beatty's job, but a lot of things can happen in spring training. Brett Beatty had a really good camp last year. It wasn't good enough to make the team. What if he has a crappy camp? You know, what if Beatty picks up where he left off from last regular season and he struggles and Mark Vientos hits the freaking cover off the ball and looks competent at third base. Like, is it a possible competition or is this all Fugazi? And Brett Beatty's the third baseman no matter what happens. Yeah, so I, I think that David Stearns seems like an honest person so far. Like, we've gone through the Pete Alonzo stuff. He's never once wavered 
free agency is basically where he's going. So that <coughs> that's where I try to build this logic up. He tells us that Beatty's the third baseman. I think that's his intent, but you can't tell me if Vientos starts to play. I'm sure he's going to have to learn a position, not not learn, but have to get reps the same way that Marte needs to get reps in outfield. Vientos got to get reps at third base, and if Beatty is looking, uh, you know, sloppy, he's not productive at the plate, and Vientos is out playing him. That's going to create a competition, whether Stearns likes it or not. So right. that I think I think that's just a natural thing. Beatty's his guy, but Vientos can steal the job still. It's not so a given. not a given. Yeah, this is like a follow up to the same question. So it's kind of like a question and a half, and it relates to when Mark Vientos is playing spring training games. Where is he mostly getting his at bats from? And the reason I asked that question is because, look, Mark Vientos is not an outfielder. They played with that a little bit in 2021, but he hasn't played a game in the outfield since 2021. So if you look at 22 and you look at 23, and I'm talking about what he did AAA and the major league level, he plays two positions. He plays third base. He plays first base. You want to include DH as a position? Fine. But really, that's not a position. That's just that's how he gets his at-bats. So he gets his at-bats from three different spots, first base, third base, and DH. Last year at the major league level, he played 10 games at first base, 19 games at third base, 37 games at designated hitter. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast old man winter here if i had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex (laughs) heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived Spring Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Searching for a parenting podcast you'll actually want to listen to? One that covers everything from how to deal with picky eating, how to grieve a pregnancy loss, and how to not hate your partner after having kids? Well, your new favorite podcast, After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings, is here. Hosted by two BFFs, this is a no-shame parenting podcast. Listen to and follow After Bedtime with Big Little Feelings on the free Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. In AAA that year, he played 26 games at first base, 33 games at third base, and he only dh four times. So in spring training, how often does he play first base? Which, by the way, that doesn't mean anything about Pete Alonso's future. That's just, hey, who's the backup first baseman for this team? It's probably Mark Vientos. If you're going to want to keep Pete Alonso fresh and you're going to want to DH him every once in a while, which he didn't do a lot of last year, but maybe you want to this year, who's the first baseman? The first baseman's Mark Vientos. Daniel Vogelback ain't here. Not that he was ever playing first base. Mark Canna's not here anymore. It's Vientos. So in spring training, does he play first base more? Or does he play third base more? Because the Mets have a lot of other options to play third base. And I don't necessarily just mean in spring training games, but when the rosters break, they're going to have numerous guys on this roster that besides Brett Beatty play third base. One guy off the top of my head is Joey Wendell. Another guy who may not make the team, but certainly going to get a lot of at-bats in spring training is Zach Short. So they've got these other third base options. How often does Vientos play third base in spring training? How often does he play first base? Or are they basically going to treat him as the designated hitter where that's most of where his at-bats are coming from? So I'm curious about that because I think it may give us a little bit of an indication on what they think about him defensively. So think about it that way. We ask, hey, is there a battle for third base? Vientos may never play third base. And if that's the case, that'll show you that they really don't believe he'll be the third baseman at any point. Speaking of defense, here's my next question. So this will be officially question number four. Does Brandon Nimmo only play left field? The Mets have still not really answered the left field, center field question when it comes to Brandon Nimmo. Uh, Brandon Nimmo said to John Heyman on his podcast recently, whatever's best for the team. And the Mets have almost given him the option of when Bader plays, you're our left fielder. But what about when Bader doesn't play? Do you want to shift back to center field or do you want to just play left field? Well, guess what? Spring training is going to help tell us the story. Like in spring training, is Brandon Immel only playing left field or is he playing center field and left field? I'm going to give you a guess. I'm going to give you a guess. I think we'll still see him play both. I've thought about this. Like which way does he go? I think Brandon Nimmo, and I, and I get this impression from a lot of outfielders, playing center field is a sense of pride. It's a sense of, hey, that's the most important position to play. So I think Nimmo will bounce between the two, and I think we'll see him play both outfield positions. But it is a fair question early on. Does Brandon Nimmo only play left field? Here's my next question. This is a good one, Pete. This is my favorite question. I think it's going to be your favorite question. Are you ready? Let's go. I'll love it. Oh, I'm excited. Ready. Does Drew Gilbert, Jet Williams, Luis San Jolicuna, those are the three prospects I'm using, but does any of the major prospects have a shot to shock the world and make the team out of spring training? Now, remember, last year, very different situation. We saw some young players tear the cover off the ball in spring training. We saw Ronnie Mauricio have a majestic spring training. We saw Brett Beatty have a really good spring training. And we spent most of our podcasts on the Rico screaming and yelling and begging for these young players to make the roster. And I would sit here and say, well, they're not. They're not going to make the roster. Here's why. And I'd give you all the boring roster reasons for why it was not going to happen. And Pete would get himself worked up in a lather. How is money, Ronnie Mauricio, not on this team? This is bullshit. And it didn't happen. Now we have a different administration now. We've got David Stearns. We've got David Stearns telling us openly, we want young players to get the opportunity to play. 
We believe in giving young players an opportunity to play. So let me ask you this, Mr. Stearns. Jet Williams is in spring training as a non-roster invitee. He's there. Drew Gilbert is in spring training as a non-roster invitee. Luis Angel Acuna is on your 40-man roster. What if they tear it up? Fair question. What if Jet Williams just destroys in spring training? Will you guys give a real thought to a young player, prospects, all of them? I mean, all of these guys we just mentioned are top 100 prospects in Major League Baseball. Two of them you recently acquired for broken down aces. Do you give them a real chance to make the team? Now, my initial answer to this question, Pete, is probably no, but you tell me. Do you think that if one of these guys has a big camp like Mauricio from last year, we are having the same conversation as last year, but maybe we're getting a different result? Billy Epler had one thing in mind, was to overpay to bring in talent. Now you have David Stearns who needs to evaluate, and he's been saying over and over, I'm evaluating. And I think he's a smart man who, if he sees that he's got something special, he's gonna he's gonna use it to his advantage. And like I just we said earlier with Marte, like there's no there's no guarantee that Starling Marte is your everyday right fielder. It's just not. I mean, the health issue, all this other stuff. So we could sit here and talk about Gilbert Acuna or or um, or Jet Williams. They could sneak into the outfield. There's a there's there is a possible way that they could make a roster. It can't be for a bench spot. It's got to be for at least a oh, yeah. semi starter. You know, like a fourth outfielder that gets a, a normal rotation. But he can't. He's not a bench spot. It's not like playing once a week. It's got to be playing three, four times a week at the very mm, least. No question. It's it's funny. I think the smoothest kind of route or the smoothest. Uh, scenario is Drew Gilbert more than it is Jet Williams and Luis Angel Acuna. And I don't just mean that based on how close they are. But last year, Luis Angel Acuna was playing shortstop and he was playing second base. Jet Williams was mostly playing middle infield as well. I think he got like a smattering of time in the outfield. So if either of those guys, and we'll see what positions they sort of playing majority of the time in the minor leagues or even in spring training, both of those guys could make this team, but then force changes, which means Jeff McNeil maybe being an outfielder. I mean, honestly, like if Jet Williams tore it up and the Mets said, yeah, screw it, you're making the team and you're going to be our opening day center fielder, all of a sudden that just changes McNeil's role, which is a part of the value of Jeff McNeil. Drew Gilbert, on the other hand, is a center fielder. And right now the Mets center fielder is Harrison Bader. At least that's the impression most of us are under, that Bader's going to play most of the time at center field and Brandon Nimmo's playing left field. Well, if Drew Gilbert tears up spring training, we all know what Harrison Bader is. Like, we don't mean that as a negative. He's a, he's a very solid fourth outfielder. Uh, I've said that since the day they signed him. So it feels as if the one kid, and I'm keeping the pitching prospects out of it, obviously. I'm talking about these three top 100 prospects that's the smoothest, hey, that guy tore it up. Here's what we're going to do. Drew Gilbert's a center fielder. That's it. It ain't that complicated. And Harrison Bader becomes what he should be, a fourth outfielder. I'm afraid to say I think the answer is no, but I would love to see this become a thing. Let these kids tear up spring training to the point where that's what we're talking about, where that's the major issue, not just on Rico, but on our radio station. Or all of a sudden, you have to pay attention to young players that are tearing up spring training. My next question, question number six, the performance, and I usually don't ask this with performances, the performance of Luis Severino in spring training games. And I'll tell you why I bring that up. Luis Severino got hurt last year in spring training. And then the year he had with the Yankees was very, very uneven. And it was a rarity for him in that he was healthy, quote unquote, he pitched and he was terrible which has not been the case with Luis Severino over the last half a decade. Usually it's just he doesn't pitch because he's not healthy. But last year with the Yankees, and it's something that was close to us because we saw it all the time, became unpitchable. He was so bad for the Yankees that there were starts where you said, you can't pitch this guy. Like if you're a serious organization, 
and we think the Yankees are, how could you send them out there every five days? So just, I'm only saying that just to remind you of the kind of year he had last year. I'm curious how he pitches in spring training, because if we're seeing Luis Severino get just his ass handed to him, the way we saw it in the summer of last year, that's going to cause panic. And I think because he was so bad last year, I'm not one to say at ah, spring training, he's working on things. I think there are guys who, when that happens, you say, yeah, they're having a bad spring training. It's not that big of a deal. I think the Mets have a few guys in their rotation like that. Kodai Senga, I wouldn't be overly concerned. Uh, Adrian Hauser, like even Adrian Hauser, I wouldn't be overly concerned if he got beat up in spring training. I'd say, yeah, you know, I already know what he is. I know the back of the baseball card. I'm okay. Uh, Jose Quintana, same thing. Jose Quintana had a lousy spring training. Be like, ah, all right, let's get to the start of the year. I think because Severino was so bad last year when he pitched, if he struggled in spring training, I think if anyone in this rotation, Pete, he would cause us the most pause to say, what's going on? Is this just a continuation from what we saw last year? I'm not as worried as you with this spring training because I, I don't take anything for spring training for real at all. I know that Severino has concerns, but I think they're all working through stuff. So there might be something, again, the biggest thing with Severino was the tip pitches, right? I mean, I think that that's that's basically what the the census was, why he was so bad last year, and also injury issues too. So I, I think that any time a starting pitcher like Severino gets down on the mound in spring training, they're working on perfecting certain things. They're trying to work out some work out some kinks. He can get blown out every game. Let me see how he does in the regular season. I'm not worried about spring training at all. All right, save that because I think you're full of crap. I think in this case you're full of crap. <laughs> I think that <laughs> – I, I mean that. I think with this player you're full of crap. If If Luis Severino all of a sudden begins spring training and in his first start gives up back-to-back-to-back home runs – and in his first spring training start, two innings, six runs. And in his next spring training start, three innings, five runs. I don't think you would be giving us this, well, he's working on things. You'd say, here we go. We signed this piece of crap. It's the same thing as last year, blah, 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 blah. And by the way, as someone who doesn't worry about spring training stats, I'd kind of have that same fear. That's why I'm bringing it up as a question. I need to see him pitch reasonably well. Bullshit. Bullshit. And I'll tell you why. Do you me? Yeah, because you want to know why? You just told me he pitched three innings. That's amazing. You went three <laughs> innings in spring training. You went three innings deep over and over and over. God bless you. That means he probably threw about 50, 60 pitches. I'll take it. That's that's good. All right. Let's see. Let's let let's see. Hopefully this doesn't happen. Hopefully he just pitches well and that's it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> I don't really worry about results in spring training for the most part. Look, not every situation is exactly the same. I admit that. I think because of the year he had last year, there would be a little pause if he struggled. All right, here's my next question. This is the one that we've sort of asked for the last few weeks. What additions, if any, will this team make? Now, David Stearns admitted the offseason isn't over. We've had a very unusual MLB offseason in which predominant, I won't say predominant, but some of the elite level free agents are still available. So until they're signed, there's always that back of your mind thought of, are the Mets going to do something? And, you know, I take David Stearns at face value with some of the things he said. I get no impression they're adding a starting pitcher. So even if Jordan Montgomery's market continues to, to swell, assuming it is, I don't see a scenario where the Mets are jumping in and getting him. So it's not even the starting pitching. It's more the bat, specifically J.D. Martinez still being out there. Did the Mets add a bat? Are they going to add somebody? You know, that, that's the question. And it's the same question I think we've asked for months and months now, for weeks and weeks now, which is, are they going to add that DH, that stick, that in my opinion they could really use, that would enhance this lineup in a big way that would make this lineup deeper, that would protect Pete Alonso. Is it going to happen? Uh, to me, once JD Martinez signs, that's it. Because there really aren't many other bats available after you get past JD Martinez. Justin Turner's already signed. Jorge Soler signed a couple of days ago with San Francisco. This is not that much out there. 
So my assumption is that's it. That's the kind of the last stand on J.D. Martinez being the one bat still out there. That is intriguing. Question number nine. I think I'm up to nine already. Jeez, man. Which journeyman will have a big spring training and make us think? And I say that because it happened last year. Last year, the Mets had a journeyman player who had a big spring training, and we thought, we we pondered for a little bit of time saying, huh, should this guy make the team? Now, eventually, we all decided, no, he shouldn't make the team, and that guy disappeared, and we forgot about him until he came back. And now he's a lock to make the roster. The guy I'm talking about is DJ Stewart. DJ Stewart last year in spring training, I don't want to say quietly, but sort of quietly because we were so enamored by Ronnie Mauricio and Brett Beatty and the other young players. But DJ Stewart had a big spring training. He drove in 11 runs. He hit about 350. And I'm telling you, you go into the archives of the Rico Bronia, we had a conversation about him, which was, Hey, what do you guys want to do? Guys having a big camp. Should we just ignore it? Should we just close our eyes and make believe it's not happening? What do you want to do? And ultimately, the Mets sent them to AAA. They didn't do anything. But is there somebody in spring training who's going to have a big-ass camp where we're like, huh, what should we do? Should we respond to that performance or should we make believe it didn't happen and maybe we bury that guy in AAA and we'll see him later? But it's funny. DJ Stewart was that guy last year, and now DJ Stewart is a, let's face it, he's a lock to make the roster. He's one of those guaranteed he's on the he's on the team now. How much does he play? That's a question we'll get at the start of the season based on, I guess, if they add another bat or, and really how Carlos Mendoza wants to line this thing up. But what do we do when a journeyman has a big spring training? How closely do we say, hmm, we should do something about this? Well, you're going to see Joey Wendell do it. That's the guy that's going to have. Yeah, but he's going to be on the team anyway, so it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, he's already on the team, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, but but uh, does it change our position about where he is playing every day? Uh, to me, I, I tell you right now, to me, it doesn't. <laughs> maybe, maybe it does to others. Joey I mean, Wendell having a big spring training would just be like, all right, well, he's on the team anyway. Hopefully he keeps that up during the season. Yeah, but, you know, the other day, freaking David Stern said, you know, we're talking about third base, and it made it sound like Beatty's the guy. But then he's like, well, you know, we do have Vientos. We do have Wendell. And they do have, what, uh, Zach Short? Zach Short, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, what all of a sudden, is Zach, Zach Short has a great spring training. We, we talking about him being the everyday third baseman. I, I freaking hope not. Yeah, I think we, we, so Joey Wendell's on the roster, right? So we all know that, you know, barring injury, obviously, he could be on the IL, but assuming he's healthy, he's on the major league roster. So I, I don't think him having a big spring training, to me at least, would impact anything because he's already on the roster. He is what he is. I wouldn't view him as a starter because of a big spring training. I, with veteran players, I wouldn't do that. You know, with younger players, maybe it's a little bit different. But with a veteran player, it wouldn't impact to me at least how often I would play him. But it does lead to my last question, which is which non-roster invitees have the best shot to make the team? And some of the non-roster invitees are journeymen that the Mets picked up, very similar to DJ Stewart last year. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, DJ Stewart was a non-roster invitee a year ago, didn't make the team, ended up in AAA. Then the Mets added him to the 40-man roster once they called him up, and you know, history's been written. <laughs> Apparently, DJ Stewart's on our team, and we all like him. So when I say non-roster invitees, I want to keep out the younger players that didn't need to be added to the 40-man roster. So like guys like Jet Williams and Drew Gilbert, I put them away. because And Kevin Parada, too. They're, they're non-roster invitees, but to me, there are two different kinds of non-roster invitees, not to get in the weeds. There's the prospects that aren't on the 40-man because you don't need to. And then there's the journeyman you invited to camp thinking lightning may strike. And that's the guy who, if he has a big camp, could break through and make the team. And there's a couple of guys, I'll mention them, because there are former major leaguers. There are guys that have been there before, and so maybe they make you think. Number one, they just signed him the other day, Ben Gamble, the former Yankee, the outfielder. He's bounced around a little bit. Ben Gamble has a big spring training. Does he force our way into the roster? Uh, Trace Thompson. 
the brother of Clay Thompson, by the way. And I think Trace Thompson's hit some big home runs against us for some reason. Like, I think I remember Trace Thompson hitting a home run as a Dodger against the Mets. But then again, what crappy player hasn't hit a home run against us? But can Trace Thompson, you know, at 30 or 31 years old, however old he is, nice slugging, tall right-hand hitter, outfielder, can he come in and have a huge spring training? This Taylor Colway, another outfielder, that's a non-roster invitee, veteran. Can he come into spring training and force his way in? I think with the outfielders, it's going to be tough only because the Mets are pretty much set, I think, in the outfield barring injury. They picked up this guy, Ryland Bannon. Could he make a big impact? Yomer Sanchez, who I remember back in the day with the Chicago White Sox, switch hitting infielder. I think he could, by the way. I really do. Because I think that infield versatility, a guy that can play middle infield, guy that can play third base, switch hitter, the uncertainty at third base with the younger players. I know they want to let Brett Beatty and Mark Vientos play, but I think Yomer Sanchez may have the best opportunity of anybody. They have a few catchers that are non-written roster invitees. In fact, there's one you may remember. Tomas Nito. <laughs> Tomas Nito's back as a non-roster invitee. I'll tell you this, man. If there's an injury to Narvaez or Alvarez, you're damn right we may see Tomas Nito or Hayden Seeger. And then you've got a lot of the pitchers. And I do, I do think if we're being honest about, okay, which non-roster invitee has the best chance to make the team, it's probably a pitcher. Austin Adams was initially signed to a major league contract. He's now a non-roster invitee. Kyle Crick is probably screwed because he got hurt. I think David Stern said that, that he's going to miss most of camp. So you could kind of forget him. Nate Lavender. Yaxel Rios, Cole Salser. One of those relievers has a big camp. Danny Young, lefty reliever. One of these guys has a big camp. Chad Smith. There's a few injuries in the bullpen. That's a guy or one of those guys could kind of sneak in and take a spot. But as far as kind of taking those two questions and combining them, what journeyman player has a big camp and makes us think? My prediction is Yomer Sanchez. Oh, I forgot somebody, by the way. Jose Iglesias. Jose Iglesias is a non-roster invitee. And I think a lot of these guys don't make the team unless there's an injury. And that's what makes predicting the 26-man roster when we do it in a couple of days so difficult. I, I like to make predictions based on the fact that no one's going to get hurt because I don't want to sit here predicting, okay, this guy will be on the IL. That guy's going to be on the IL. And that guy's going to be on the IL. Who the hell could predict that? Nor does any who wants to do that. I don't want to sit here predicting guys getting hurt, but I think injuries are the biggest factor that can kind of change the way a roster looks. Like all those outfielders that they brought in, they're not making the team unless guys get hurt. But knock on wood, and I knock on it, if Starling Marte and Harrison Bader have to start the year on the IL, well, then guess what? Trace Thompson and Ben Gamble have a great chance to make the team. That's how they would make the team. I don't think they'd be able to do it through a big camp. Any questions I missed, Pete? Any questions you have that I did not touch on through my 10 questions? Well, I just want to piggyback off the last thing. I think if you're going to talk about who's going to make it out of the non-roster, the mind frame is just all defense. I think Jose Iglesias makes the most sense because it's not about his offense, it's about his defense, which is why, if anybody, it'd be him. And I think that they, I think Ben Gamble clearly has a connection with David Stearns. So those two in particular. Um, I guess the one thing is, and I, I hate to go deep with this, but who's filling out the bench, and and how like so who's going to be really rotating? Who's going to be that super utility guy that's going to be able to be that fill fill in uh, constantly? You know, DJ Stewart was is somebody that we see in the outfield, but who's going to be a super utility guy that's going to see him all over the place? Whether it's first base, second base, third base, outfield. And that's going to be your bench spot, probably. So that's what I'm I'm looking at. Um, and then I guess it's the last bullpen spot is, is the is the only other thing I really think of. Yeah, and you know it's funny, barring injuries, there's not a lot of bullpen spots because Diaz, really, Adavino, Diekman, Fujinami, Lopez, and Drew Smith. That's seven relievers. So you don't exactly leave yourself with that much room. You know, it's really one spot. It's one bullpen spot. 
And, you know, I mentioned a lot of the non-roster invitees out of the bullpen, but what about the guys that are on the 40-man? Josh Walker, Sean Reed Foley, Phil Bickford, Reed Garrett, Max Cranick, Michael Tonkin. Like, yeah, I, unfortunately, in that case, someone will probably get hurt. Like, you'll prob- we'll probably, unfortunately, be talking about a couple of guys on the IL when it comes to pitchers. But assuming there aren't injuries, there aren't a lot of bullpen spots up for grabs. That's the thing. But we'll do a, a very in-depth breakdown coming up. We're giving you some bonus additions as we get set for spring training here on the Rico. And one of the bonus episodes will be trying to project this 26-man roster and who's going to be on it and who's not going to be on it and how they're going to break down this roster. So we'll go into more detail on that coming up in the next couple of days. I do have one last one just because, for me, I thought he was a wasted addition last year. I know he's still on the team. But there was talk about maybe him being traded. Omar Nevarez. Mm-hmm. We all know Francisco Alvarez is going to get the playing time. He's going to get the run. Um, and now if Tomas Nito still going to be around, is that the guy that you're going to – are you going to potentially trade Nevarez? So how much playing time does he get off the bat? Does does he see enough? Does, do they use him DH? Are they, if he has a productive uh, – spring training maybe they could trade him somewhere and that's yeah. something i can see and because they have plenty of of catching depth yeah but really do they though i mean well they did they they trade... so they try they, they traded cooper hummel right was he a right to catcher yeah, yeah. The ca- yeah. They had. yeah yeah so they yeah, got but if, they, but if they trade omar narvaez now look i'm not against trading omar narvaez you got to tell me what you're getting like if it's just the mets saving money no thanks i don't need steve cohen to save more money it doesn't do me any good but if they're just Trading Omar Navarez because they figure they don't need him anymore. Who's your backup catcher? Your backup catcher probably becomes Tomas Nito. Kevin Parada's not coming up and be a backup catcher. Hayden Singer is going to be your backup catcher. So I prefer not to trade Narvaez. Not at this point. Not unless there's someone else you're adding, like you're adding a major league backup catcher. So unless you're get, you're getting something good for him, like if you're getting a real prospect for him, sure, I'm not going to refuse to trade Omar Narvaez, but. Right now, I like the Met catching depth in terms of Narvaez and Alvarez being the two guys on the roster because let's keep this in mind. You know, our hope is Francisco Alvarez is going to have a monster year. That's our hope. And our hope is if they don't add a DH, he's the guy protecting Pete Alonso. And that's the difference maker. That's the slugging bat that we've been looking for to protect Pete. And let's say that happens in the best case scenario. He is still not going to catch every day. He's not. Now, maybe they'll DH him a lot more. There's a risk when you DH, though, your backup catcher or starting catcher. It doesn't allow you to take your other catcher out of a game. And if Tomas Nito is your other catcher, you're going to want to take his ass out of the game. Omar Narvaez, you feel like, ah, he can get his at-bats. So if Alvarez becomes the guy we really, really want him to be, Narvaez is still going to have to play. It's not like we're ever going to live in a world in which Alvarez is so good. Who cares who the backup is? The backup's always going to matter because no one's catching seven days a week. It's not happening. You know, and we'll find that out about Mendoza and Stearns. That's another thing we don't know. And that's a question for more for the season. And we'll do another episode where we have season questions. And that is, how often is Alvarez going to play? Buck Showalter ran guys and played them all the time. And I don't mean the younger players. I mean the veterans. Will Mendoza do that? You know, does Lindor play every single day? Does Pete play every single day? Does Brandon Nimmo play every single day? Because there are organizations, in fact, we share a town with one of them, where they don't play guys every day. They always have their maintenance days, their off days, their off day before the off day. So we have a brand new administration. We have a brand new manager. There's a brand new team president. We're going to find out how often they want to run guys out there. But that also includes the catcher. So right now, I don't want to trade Omar Novias. Doesn't mean I can't trade him, but I'd prefer not to because I don't think you're as good of a baseball team, in my humble opinion. Any thoughts or questions that you want answered going into spring training, you can certainly share it with us. The Rico B at gmail.com. The Rico B at gmail.com. Like I said, we got bonus episodes as we get ready for the start of spring training. We will have part two of our kind of in-depth look at the history of Met off-seasons. That's coming up. And like I mentioned, our breakdown on the Mets 26-man roster and how we predict they're going to line up for opening day at City Field in a little over a month.
But I leave you with this one question, Pete. How excited are you that the Mets are going to give away Mercury Mets, Mike Piazza jerseys on July 27th? Does that not excite you? Does it excite me? <laughs> Come on. The Mercury Mets are back. One uh, of the dumbest promotions in the history of baseball. And it's I, back. I'm, I'm excited about some things. It's not that. I'm actually, there's one jersey that I am really excited about. It's the City Connect. I cannot wait to see what it looks like. Well, I let's am, see what I, it looks like first. I mean, let's see if it sucks or not. Like, we may all hate it for all we know. I, I can't see how they're going to lose this. I feel like it's going to be beautiful. I think they could do so many great things with the City Connect. It can't be – It can't. listen, it's not going to be as flashy and as flary as the San Diego, but it's not going to be an ugly-ass one like what, like Seattle, I think, has some pretty bad ones. I think it's going to be gorgeous, and I'm just I'm looking forward to it. I look forward to seeing it, and I think it's 75% likely I'm going to hate it. I think that's definitely on the table, <laughs> but we'll talk about it when it comes out. We appreciate you uh, listening, downloading, and subscribing, Rico Bronia. Get ready. We got more Ricos on the way as we get you through the first week of spring training. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.